0: generosity. Today, we're going to continue talking about our core values. I want to jump in right at the beginning here, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. I'm reading out of the Message Bible, and if you don't have a Bible with you, you're in the right spot. We're going to put it on the screen for you today. I want to read you about 10 or 12 verses, so bear with me. This is Paul preaching and writing to the church at Rome, which he's never visited. He's given them A lesson on faith and what it means to have faith in God and receive grace if if you've not read the book of Romans let me let me encourage if you're new to faith a lot of people would say start in the book of John I agree with that you need a picture of who Jesus is and then I would say go from the book of John right over to Romans to find out that you've been saved by faith through God's grace it's a gift there's a lot of people that gave their heart to the Lord and they still struggle with the works mentality Romans is your book Romans chapter 12 Paul says, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me and especially as the responsibilities that I have in relation to you as a church. Living then as one of you does in pure grace, everybody say grace. It's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves. Don't misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, 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 God's bringing it all to you. Someone say amen. Amen. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't get it twisted. It's God's grace on your life. In this way, He goes on to say, in this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about today, it's Christ's body, his chosen people. You could say it this way, the local church. And each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. I like this part. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, you wouldn't amount to much, would you? So since we find ourselves fashioned Into these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without envy, without pride. Stop comparing yourselves with each other or trying to be something you aren't. Turn to your neighbor and say, He's talking to you. He goes on to say, If you preach, just preach. Nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you're a teacher, stick to the teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, then be careful that you don't get bossy. Don't get bossy. If you're put in charge and you've been given leadership roles and responsibilities, do not manipulate. If you're called to aid people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. For if you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Everybody smile at your neighbor. He goes on to finish here in verse nine. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. I'm gonna say that one again. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run from dear life from evil. Hold on to dear life for good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. I love that. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Be alert. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expect it. And don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians and be inventive in your hospitality. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it was written years and years ago, thousands of years ago, but still applies for us right now in this moment. So Lord, we choose as your body to gather together, not just to be hearers of your word, but you can count on us to be doers of your word. We believe that community is your design for our lives. So Lord, today I go through the scriptures. I share these stories compelling your people to gather together, to unite for mission, because we're stronger together. Lord, I pray that you give me boldness in my my speech, in my preaching, to declare these words and these stories just as you prepare them in my heart this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you're new here, we're in the process of planting a brand new church called All People. And uh, we're, we're going through right now the, the six core values that we're going to hold to as deeply ingrained principles for the future. And so today we're going to go through core value number two. Last week we talked about number one. Our first core value is Jesus is our... Oh yeah, y'all, y'all skipped church last week. I forgot it was low here. Let me remind y'all, take you back. Jesus is our... Oh, you remembered. We talked last week about how Jesus has to be our center. By the way, I was wondering where y'all was at last week. It was lonely here. Where Jesus is our focus, and I, I want to move on. If you didn't get that one, go back and watch it or listen to it on the podcast. Today, I want to talk about we live like community is our design. Community is our design. I, I like the way that Paul put this to the church at Rome. He said, God designed our lives like a physical body. Pinch your neighbor. Remind them to wake up. Yeah, pinch them, pinch him real hard. We all have a physical body, and here's the truth. Every one of us has been given gifts, talents, abilities, personalities, skills, and trades that are placed within Christ's body, which is the local church. This picture of a physical body is a great representation of our spiritual body because not only do we work together, we grow together. Just like my foot needs my toes to walk, we need ushers in this house to help you find seats. Just like I need my my liver to process toxins in my body from all the junk that I eat, the same way we need a worship team that knows how to take us into the presence of God. Just like we need fingers and toes to, to, to go places and to illustrate things, the children's workers today that are ministering to your children represent their body part within the body. Turn to your neighbors, he's talking to you today. We all have a part to play. And for the next few minutes, I want to tell you a little bit about my story. And, and, and I've shared some of this, but I want to talk about how I found out who I am and what I was called to do. I grew up in a pastor's home. My parents were church planters. And, and in every church that we planted, I was known as the PK. The PK. You've been there, you've done that. You're, you're special as a pastor's kid. And not everybody looks at you the same way because they have expectations on you that you never signed up or agreed to. Take it easy on my kids. They don't have a choice of being the pastor's kid. They just happen to be the pastor's kid. Everybody said amen. I grew up as a pastor's kid, and I made myself known that I didn't want to be the pastor's kid. I was the rowdy's pastor's kid. I was the rowdy one. I was the one that was always screwing around and getting in trouble and stirring up problems with the kids and the students at the church. I was the ringleader of drama. <laughs> and it was known if Josh is doing something, somebody probably needs to be there because it's probably mischief and mayhem going on like the time that I was stealing Cokes out of the church Coke machine. You remember Coke machines? Where's all my people? I remember putting quarters in a Coke machine. And, and I had figured out that the door at the bottom was a little bit loose enough that I could get my arm in there, and if I twisted the right way, I could get free Cokes for me and all my buddies out of the shop at my dad's church. And it went on for a while, and I got away with it until one day I got my arm stuck. And during the service, I was laid out on the concrete in the shop, praying in tongues. (laughs) And a gentleman from the usher team came and said, are you okay? Are you praying? I said, I'm praying. Someone help me get my arm stuck out of this Coke machine. I said, don't tell my dad. (laughs) I, 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 I struggled to find people that I clicked with. But at 15 years old, I met a bunch of men that were in the church, uh, and and they invited me to play golf with them. We were at a men's breakfast that we did once a month at a very fancy golf course, and I was a horrible golfer, but I wanted to play golf, and I was on the driving range slicing balls over towards the cafeteria area and hooking balls to where the guys were getting people were freaking out, like, tell that kid to stop hitting golf balls. And one of the guys said, hey, you you got a foursome? Are you playing with somebody? And I said, No. I'll play by myself. I'll just follow along. He said, you come play with me. He said, you don't need to play by yourself. You need to play with some guys that are better than you. And he invited me to play golf with him. And we've been playing golf for the last 30 years. His name is Hal Hardy. He serves on my executive board over this church today. And I found a relationship with Hal over him accepting me into play golf. A few years later, some guys were going on a ski trip, and they said, you want to go skiing? And I said, I've never been skiing. And they said, well, we're not skiers. We're snowboarders. And I said, that sounds awesome. And they said, would you like to go? And I said, I'd love to go. Let me ask my mom. And my parents agreed to let me go with a couple of the ushers and a couple of the security guys at the church. And and we went to to North Carolina to go skiing for the first time. And I had a blast. Like, I, I was hooked from that day. And since that day, I've been snowboarding all over the planet, there was another group of guys that said, hey, you are you into hunting, and would you like to hunt? And I said, we've never hunted anything in our life, and they took me to hunt with them and showed me just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> I grew up down south, and I know this may not fit you guys up here, but hunting down south was a big deal. In fact, on Sundays during hunting season, nobody looked like you and I did. They looked like Bobby, my friend Fabian right here. They were all in camouflage. Because they would go hunt in the tree stands in the morning and then come to church later. And I'll never forget, I was so excited. Can I tell you a little story? A little story? I was so excited to go hunting for the first time and they didn't really tell me anything other than, we're gonna drive you to this little wooden house and there's a little window on it and, and you stick the gun through it and when the deer comes, you just shoot it. And I was like, this sounds amazing. Like, let's do it. And they gave me no other instruction other than that. And so... Being a young man who's excited with a rifle, I did exactly what they said, and the first deer that came in there, man, I dropped it. I mean, I, bam! I mean, it just dropped right there on the ground, and I was like, yes! I'm a man! Like, I was just like, let's go! I killed something! And I was so excited, and I got out of the shooting house, and I, I'm looking at him like, yeah, I killed that thing. Yeah, look at me, and I felt all tough, and I'm like, I'm going to put some blood on my face. So when these guys show up, they're going to see like he's a real dude, one of us. And I did. I put the blood on my face, and, and I could feel the, hear their four-wheelers pulling up, and they were coming to check on me, and they're like, did you get one? I said, I got him. I got him. And they're like, where is it? And I was like, right here. Look at it. And it got quiet. I was like, isn't it awesome? Look at me. And I'm I'm screaming. I'm fired up. I'm I'm going off the rails. And they're all like, oh my God. What is wrong with you? I mean, they had this look of of depression that I was like, what? What are y'all looking at me? They're like, why did you do that? I said, what are you talking about? One guy grabbed it by the back leg. He said, dude, my dog's bigger than this. Why'd you shoot the baby deer? And I was like, I thought I got a good one. I thought you guys would be proud of me. And they were like, Man, you're you're ridiculous. What is wrong with you? But I got to tell you, that deer tasted delicious that night. It was (laughs) amazing. (laughs) Don't write me any letters if you're against hunting. Please save it. I I don't need it. the, The moral of the story is people accepted me. And brought me into their circles. I I met a group of guys that were traveling around the world and doing missions work. And I started traveling with them. And then I met a group of guys in California that were surfing. And and all these guys began to help me discover who I was based on common interests. Common interest brought us together, and as I shared common interest, I realized the value in the relationships that I had with these men, many of them much older than me, many of them grew up differently than me, many of them go in a different route than I was, but in the moment I realized, man, I've got some great people around me, and I've got a lot of questions, maybe they have the answers, and I began to spend more and more time with groups of men in the church as I grew up, knowing, man, there was value in those relationships, And as I realized there was value in the relationships, I felt safer. I felt more comfortable to be me and not pretend to be who they wanted me to be. And on those trips and all those adventures, I was able to take my mask off and share about hurts and pains in my life. And these men cheered me on and pushed me to know God at a greater level. Through those relationships, I began to share about my aspirations and dreams, things that I thought maybe I would do, but I didn't know how I would do it. And they all championed me and were encouraging me. They were pushing me towards my destiny. To this day, I still attend two groups right now. I have a men's group of pastors that I meet with every month that that I attend. I have another group that I oversee. And in just a few weeks, I'm launching another small group right here at the church for dads to teach our boys what manhood is. I believe in the power of community. And I can say this to you as your pastor. I am who I am today because of the communities that I had a part of along my journey. Community is God's design. Community is his purpose. I realized, looking back now at 47 years old, almost 48 years old, that my life was no accident that I needed groups of community all along my path to help me get to the next step and to the next assignment. And as I was taking those steps, guess what? My destiny was being unlocked and I was finding out for the first time who I was and what my part was in his body, God's local church. And I believe this is what biblical community should look like, progress. Every one of us at a different place on our journey. Every one of us in a different season of life. But no matter where you are, if you just gave your heart to the Lord last week, guess what? There's a community of believers ready to come alongside of you and help you take the next step. And some of us that have been walking with the Lord for decades and decades, and we think, I don't need community. You still need community. You still need relationships because you still have something to offer. And maybe it's not that you're joining the group because you want to receive something as much as it is you feel impressed. I have something to give. I've walked this out. And somebody needs what I have to offer. Community is God's design. I'll say it to you very clearly. I believe I'm in Boston today pastoring this church because of the relationships that have made community available to me. People, people, places and processes that were put together to get me out of one place and into the next place. I know the community brought me to this moment. I wanna give you a few little points about community that I think are important today. Whether you have community or whether you don't, just reminders, and they're, they're from my journey. And the first one is this, you need community so you have somebody to look to who will show you what it looks like to follow Jesus. We all need somebody in our life that shows us what it means to follow Christ. For some of you, again, you just gave your heart to the Lord. And I want to say, I'm proud of you. Welcome to the family. But now it's time to get a part of a community so someone 10 steps ahead of you can say, hey, let me show you what this means to walk your faith out. I needed men in my life as a young man who modeled before me what the importance of reading the Bible and why it wasn't just another book, but it's the book of truth. I needed other men in my life to, to see them giving of their resources, of their time and their talent to the local church. And they would invite me and say, hey, we're doing a cleanup day. We're going to do a, a, a rehab day on the youth room. We're going to be painting and taking out trash. You should come. And I'm like, I don't know how to do any of that. And guess what? The, the place that I learned to paint was in a church at 15, And Stephanie would tell you for a season in California I had a very successful painting business. I would have never had the painting business in my 30s that provided for my family had I not had community at 15 painting walls in the church. We need people that show us how to walk things out ahead of us. I needed people in my life that knew the Bible and studied scripture more than I did who could explain it to me. I needed people to be role models in my life. I needed people with more discipline. I needed people who would show me what a journey with Christ looked like. Truth is, is we all need examples in our lives, no matter how old you are. We all need friends. We all need coaches. We all need leaders. We all need family members to learn from so we can become more like Jesus, I want to say this to you, you cannot find out how to live like Jesus by yourself. You can find out about Jesus, and you can find out about who he was and how he's done it, but until you find somebody that's done it the way he's asked them to do it and sets the role model for you, you might get stuck along the way. And you might learn a little bit about Jesus, but there will come a crossroads where you're like, I don't understand what he said about this scripture. I don't understand about this story. I don't understand the parable in this segment of his life. And we need people that will walk with us to help us become more like Jesus. Us religious people would call that discipleship. And by the way, that word isn't in the book anywhere. He just says, hey, drop what you're doing and come follow me. You look busy quit your job and come follow me. Well, why would they go follow him? Because he was an obvious example to them. They saw him doing miracles. They saw him having boldness. They saw him living out what they read in the scriptures as little guys in children's church. And they said, man, now we have an example. And yet they didn't even know he was the Messiah. We all need a role model. We all need somebody to look up to, to follow Christ. As they have. Number two, let me back up. John Maxwell, I love this quote. John Maxwell says, only one out of 10 people will find and fulfill their destiny on their own. The other nine of us are gonna need other people to help us along the way. I love that quote because it reminds me, I ain't special. Let me ask you this, what makes you think you're the one? If only one out of 10 can succeed at finding Christ, unpacking his word, Revealing this plan for their life and fulfilling that. Man, you're a superhero. The only person that I know has done that is Jesus. And he had the spirit without measure. Let me say this to you. We all need other people to help point us to what it means to live like Christ. Number two, everybody say two. Two, we need people to help us grow. We need people not only to show us the way of following Christ and walk in their footsteps, we need other people to help us grow in our spiritual walk. Hebrews 10 says it this way out of the Passion Translation, this is not the time. Everybody say, this ain't the time. time. Say it just like that. This ain't the time." time. This ain't the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. As some of you have, you've formed a habit of doing that. I'll say it this way. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. Now this was written 2,000 years ago. He didn't live in the hell that we live in right now. I'm sure it was his own type of hell, but he didn't live in this this environment right now when there's so much pressure on the earth because Christ is getting ready to come back. Let me say it to you this way. If you can't see that Christ is coming back, you really need to to get in the scriptures for yourself or find somebody to walk you through it. Because there's signs of the times that are taking place outside these four walls that affect us and our kids. And if we're not, if we're not paying attention, we'll do what they're doing, which is disperse and care for ourselves. In fact, three years ago, we we had a, a, a pandemic that was worldwide, and it probably struck us and a couple other nations stronger than others. I believe it was a demonic attack to stop what the local church had been doing. I said, I believe that COVID was an attack of the enemy to divide us and to separate us and to isolate us so we would be ineffective because he knows that we are fit together for a purpose called God's body, God's church. So I don't care what your political views on how we should have handled it. It came from the enemy. All things that come from God are good. They bring us together. All good things come from the Father of light. That's what the scripture says. So anything that would try to divert us and separate us, you can say it this way. It's an attack and a plot of the enemy because he's upset with what's happening with the capital church as a whole. So Paul's saying as Jesus is coming back and you see these signs and these times, be aware you should gather together even more frequently. Why? Because you're going to need each other to urge each other on and say, don't quit. Don't give up. You got this. It ain't over. Let me help you. What does that do? That causes growth in us. Each one of our body parts crammed into these vessels. Literally, our intestines could go around the world multiple times. There's so much crammed in here. Why? Because it all works like tongue and groove. It's all fit together for a purpose. Guess what? All covered in blood. Same with the body of Christ. You belong within the body, covered in the blood of Christ. Working together, fitly joined for a purpose. And as we do, we grow together. We grow together. You know your body parts need each other to grow, right? You know you can't gain weight without your teeth? Well, you might be able to, but it would be difficult. And it'd be difficult if you didn't have a mouth period. But we all have mouths, and so we put food in our mouths, and then guess what? If it just stopped right there, we didn't have a windpipe to push it down into our stomach, we wouldn't have a way to breathe. The breathing is connected to our eating, and for us mouth breathers, sometimes we get choked up at the dinner table. <laughs> and then we go down to the digestion. Guess what? The digestion processes all that stuff, pulls out the good stuff your body needs, and rejects the bad stuff it doesn't. So what so that every every cell of your body could grow Turn to your neighbor and say, you need me to grow. We need each other to grow. We need people to encourage us, to push us, to urge us in a growing relationship with God, our Father. Many years ago, Steph and I had just gotten married. I think I messed this story up in the first place. We'd just gotten married and we were broke. I lost my job. I'm, I'm struggling, I'm, I'm financially pressured, I've got this beautiful wife, we're getting ready to have a baby, and, and, and nothing's working for me, zero's working. And I went to church on a Wednesday night, which we did every week, and I sat right here on the second row, and my pastor was up there preaching, and preached a great message, and he must have seen my countenance, because after service was over, I was pulling in my driveway, which was just minutes from the church, and he called me, and he said, you okay? And I said, I'm all right, man, I'm good he said, you didn't look okay. I said, Pastor Gary, I'm good. I'm, I'll be all right. He said, no, I'm coming to your house right now. And I said, no, 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 you no, no. You don't need to come to my house right now. Like, no, no, you're good. You don't, need, you don't need to come to my house. He said, I'll be there in two minutes. I'm right around the corner. I said, Pastor Gary, I'm fine. I'll, I'll be fine. He said, I'll be, I'll be there in 60 seconds. you be out front. He said, let's go get a taco and a Coke. That meant let's go talk. The Lord loves tacos, by the way. <laughs> Two minutes later he pulls up and beep beep. I walk out and I get in his truck and we're sitting in my driveway and he said, How you doing, man? I said, I am I'm 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 not good. He said, What's going on? I said, I owe all this money. Sixty something thousand dollars in debt. I said, our rent's due this week, I can't pay that. I lost my job, My car's broke down, my teeth are hurting in my head, like everything is just like attacked from every angle. And he took his checkbook out and he said, How much money do you need? I said, I can't can't take your money. He said, how much money do you need, Josh? I said, sir, I can't take your money. I said, I need to to fight this battle. I need to believe God. I need to trust him. And he put his wallet back and he said, okay, if you're not going to take my money, then let me tell you this. I want to help you. I said, yes, sir. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, who's your guy? I said, "Um, excuse me? I said, "I'm, I'm married. What are you talking about? He said, who's your guy? He, he said, "He said, no, 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 no. You're you're missing What I was saying, I was like, I don't, I don't, Pastor, I don't understand." He said, "Who's the guy that you call when you have troubles?" Yeah. I said, "I ain't, I ain't got nobody." I said, "A lot of my friends have left." I said, "Everybody hates my guts." I was down. I'm telling you, I was depressed. You know how you talk when you're depressed? You just, every, every, the whole world's against me. And he said, "He said, Josh. He said, who, who's the guy that you can go and spill your guts to that that wouldn't judge you?" I said, "Uh, I ain't got a guy that I can spill my guts to. Every time I try and do that, people judge me. He said, who's the guy that you could call and share your worst day with, share your worst secrets, the things that nobody knows, and yet they would love you despite what you just told them? I said, that dude doesn't exist. I I don't know anybody like that. And he got tears, and he said, I want to be your guy. And I said, what? He said... I want to be your guy. He said, you could call me at any time, any place, and I'll answer. If I don't answer, I'll call you right back. He said, you can tell me anything. I'm a safe zone. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, who you did it to. If you tell it with me, it's in confidence, and I want you to know that I just want to help you continue growing in the Lord. He pointed out some things to me that I had forgotten. He said, Josh, you have a gift, and your gift belongs in the body. And I understand you're hurt, you're jaded, and you're upset, and you want to hurt people. You know, that's what hurt people do, right? Real. Come on. Hurt people, hurt people. I'll say it to you guys over here. Hurt people want to hurt people because they've been hurt. That was me. And he said, hey man, I, I just want to be there for you. Whatever you need, I want to be your guy. And I said, well, we'll see. And he said, yeah, we will see. And that next month, he called me. He said, hey, I'm playing golf. You want to come? I'm going to be down at this course. I'll meet you down there. And we rode together four hours, just good counsel, just hanging out, me asking questions, him asking me questions. And then the next month, he said, you want to grab coffee? And we did that every month for 12 months. I met with Pastor Gary, just me and him. And then Steph and I got engaged, and she moved into their house for a year, lived with them, and she was getting coaching and mentoring from from his wife, Ann, and and, and we switched it from me meeting with Gary once a month to the two of us meeting with Gary and Ann every month, and we'd have dinner and have coffee and hang out, and all they were doing was providing encouragement and pushing us forward and helping us to make sure that we continued to, to grow, to grow into the gift, to grow into the calling, to grow into the purpose, and they married us, and... 12 years years ago, they married us under a tree in San Diego, a little tiny ceremony. And we stayed at that church for one more year and they became like family to us when we didn't have anybody. They provided community for us when we didn't really want community. And I'll tell you this, I'm standing here today as your pastor, healthy and whole and right in my mind, because someone went out of their way to help me grow in my faith and not quit and not to give up and to see the best and not the worst and to reject the past and make sure I don't become that person to somebody else. We all need community. We all need people to help us grow. But how do we do that? We got to get together together. We gotta hang out, this old, this old idea, it sounds cliche now, breaking bread together. You ever heard that phrase? We should break some bread together. You know that dude reads the King James Bible. And you know he grew up in Sunday school because nobody talks like that. I just like to say it like this, hey man, you like ribs? I like ribs, I'll meet you at the rib shack, we should, we should throw down. I can take two racks myself, like oh, breaking bread. Come on, let's, let's talk about, let's, 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 let's carve a brisket, man. Let's do something that real men do. But here's the thing, you can't carve a biscuit by yourself. Bread doesn't taste as good by yourself. Having a cup of coffee by yourself. I hate playing golf by myself. All these things that we do by ourselves because we reject community because we think we're growing up enough. Most people reject community because they think they don't need it, they're too good for it. That's called Pride. And pride leads to destruction, which means your life comes to a screeching halt. I want to say this to you. Find community before destruction knocks on your door and you'll survive. Listen to this, and I want to say this to you very boldly. Isolation, it breeds deceitfulness. For it's easy to fool ourselves into thinking that we're mature if there's nobody there challenging us. See, real maturity shows up in relationships. I thought I was a great deer hunter. First time out, I got one There's guys in that group that hunted for years, they ain't shot nothing. Yeah, because they just weren't shooting baby deer, dummy. (laughs) I grew in that moment, like wait a second, there's a whole classing system to what deer we do shoot and why we shoot them and all that. I I didn't realize that, that whitewater rafting had all these different rapids and seasons of rapids. First day I got in the raft, I went on a class five, but guess what, I went in with a professional guide. I got to skip one, two, three, and four because I was in community with someone who does this in their sleep. Community provides advantages for you to grow leaps and bounds beyond other people who choose to start at level one on their own. And I'm a self-made man. I'll just do it by myself. You can do it by yourself, but it's gonna take you 10 times as long. And guess what? You're missing out on the benefit of doing it with somebody else. Everybody say, friends, to grow with. So let me ask you right here as we get ready to close, who's who's your guy? Who's your guy? Ladies, who's the lady you can call? And say whatever. And they won't judge you. They'll come alongside you and grow. I want to say it. If you don't have it, they're probably in this room. You just haven't met them yet. Stick around long enough to allow God to create community. They'll help you grow. Number three, and my final point today is We all need healing. We need community because we need people to show us the way to follow Christ. We need community. It's God's design that he would put people together to help us grow in our gifts and grow in our relationship with him. But one of the most important pieces of community is is we're all jacked up. Thank you, Mo. Mo's jacked up. He just admitted (laughs) to it. He just said, yes, we are. Can I say this to you? We all need healing. I don't need healing. What are you talking about? Yeah, you need healing. You got a bad attitude right now. We're all human for now. Which means every one of us have had people hurt us, abuse us, talk down to us, leave us, Wound us with their words and with their actions. Abandon us when we needed them the most. Pinch yourself. You're human. We all need people to help us walk through the healing process of our past. That only happens in community. I don't know about you but I've been sick like really, really sick like Sick, 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 sick? And I couldn't heal myself. I needed doctors and nurses and specialists to come in and say, we know where the sickness is and we have a plan for your health care. But yet, for whatever reason, as a church, we all to act like we ain't sick. Everything's all right and we put on masks and we come to church and we worship and we sing loud and we dress nice. We act like it's all good, knowing all the inside, I can't wait to get away from these people so I can go back home and cope on my own. There's people in here right now, you're hurting, you're broken, and your healing isn't gonna be found at the bottom of a bottle or a bottle of pills or a needle in your arm or a relationship. It's gonna come through people that God's placed in your life to help you take that next step. Truth is, is James makes it very clear in James chapter five. He says, therefore confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other. For what? So that you may be healed. I was all to say the prayer of a righteous person, someone in right standing with God, someone that knows their authority in Christ, that, that prayer is powerful and effective. Sir. We're all jacked up. Every one of us have stuff, things that nobody knows about that we've tucked away and hidden away. And I'll say these, and I've, I love the statement that Chris Hodges gave me years ago. He said, You're only as healthy as your darkest sin but we all got them. And we all need people to be able to say, hey, I know it looks like everything's okay, but I just, I just need to tell you something because I think you can understand you've been there and allow someone to receive what you share and then accept the health and healing that people can bring. I'll say a bold statement to you and it's this, Jesus provides forgiveness, but people bring healing. We confess our sins to God so we're forgiven. But man, you better not just leave it with him. You better tell somebody so that it doesn't get exposed later and you get caught off guard. This is the power of community that I can get my sins forgiven and through honesty and transparency, I can ask people around me to help hold me accountable so that doesn't continue to be my lifestyle. So I'll end up out of God's plan. all need healing. Truth is, we've all been hurt. We all have a story, which means we all need community. Let me give you a few disclaimers about community because I'm painting a beautiful picture. Like if you, if you get in a small group, you know, and if you serve with us, if you come, then you're gonna find the way to Jesus and you're gonna grow and, and you're gonna get the healing you need. But here's the, here's the thing that most people won't tell you and this is why people don't go to community. Number one is it's gotta be a priority. I don't have time for a small group. I don't have time to serve. I, I barely have time to come to church every once in a while. Can I just tell you you're too busy? You're gonna end up in a ditch by yourself going to end up in misery by yourself you need people around you community cannot be an option it must be a priority and we find it in genesis where god said it's not good that man be alone let me create you a whoa man and she was so whoa man that he was like you're gonna want to get fruitful and multiply with this y'all picking up what i'm throwing down Men, you're gonna have needs. Women, you're gonna have needs and together you're gonna come and fulfill those needs and you're gonna create a family and you're gonna have children, you're gonna have offspring and you are gonna fulfill the earth and you're gonna dominate from a place of authority. That's God's plan. Was his plan then? It's still his plan now. We need community, but it can't be an option. It has to be a priority. Here's the other thing. This is a reason most people don't wanna be in communities because they've been hurt and they got challenged and it was conflict. You just don't like conflict. Well, guess what? Grow up. Conflict's all around us. It's called adulting. <laughs> in fact, you and I have been given the tool that other people don't have outside how to resolve conflict. It's called love. And we're gonna talk about that in a few weeks that love is our lens. As Christians, we put on the lens of the gospel. And I see people through love, not hate. Love for them, not what they did to me. Love gives us the ability to resolve conflict. Here's another one is 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 is, is I, I I don't need community because I'm all set. I, I everything's good in my life. Yeah, you're selfish. Because guess what? Even though you're all set, there's somebody that needs your gift and your encouragement and their love, your love in their life. Community is not just about taking. Oh, he wants me to go to a small group. He wants to give my offering. He wants me to get on a team. No, I'm giving you an opportunity to be the standout, amazing creation that God's made you and serve alongside of people on a team. I'm allowing you to step up and be a gift and start a group that helps somebody else get the healing they don't even know how to get. Community isn't built on convenience. It's built on conviction. You find out where people's convictions are by looking at their calendar. For a season of my life, I had a conviction to play golf every day that I could. I was single, I had money, I had a great job, I was fine. I had the time in my schedule. It was a conviction, if I'm not at my house, I'll be at the golf course. But when I got married, I had a conviction that this relationship was more important than those metal sticks and that white ball. And I made a conviction to my wife and a commitment that when we get married, I'll put the golf away for a season. And I put the golf away. And That first year of marriage, I played golf one time. I wanted her to know you're more important than the golf course with my buddies. We can look at somebody's calendar in your checkbook and find out what your convictions are. And I'm challenging you as a church, man, it's time to reprioritize our convictions because he said, the apostle Paul said, you better be getting together more often than not. In fact, I know y'all, y'all get together on Sundays, but I don't think that's good enough. Jesus is about to come. Y'all better be gathering much tighter, quicker. It's a conviction. Let me give a charge to different people. Number one, my first charge is to the parents. It's important that your kids find these kinds of relationships that I'm talking about today. And it's your job to facilitate it. Their destiny is determined by their tribe. Who they spend their time with is shaping their mindset, which will shape their heart set, which sets their actions in order. As parents, we've got to protect and facilitate that our kids are in the right groups with the right people at the right time, doing the right thing. It's okay to tell your kids, we're turning off video games and we're gonna open up the Bible before we go to bed tonight. One of y'all back there, thank you. It's okay, you're the parent. You need to put your kids in environments that they need, not environments that they just want called being responsible. Here's here's to all my students. I'm grateful for all the students in in, in coming and joining with us. Here's my, my plea to you. You need to get community earlier than later as soon as possible. Find godly friends. You need to find a tribe of people that speak like you do and talk like you do and believe like you do. And you need to learn to value other people. One of the greatest lessons I learned in my life was that I can value someone that's a different age than I am. Why is it when you're 13, you know everything? (laughs) At 13, every kid on the planet knows everything and you can't tell them anything. I wanna tell you that's called pride. And for the young people that are gonna stand out and grow, you put yourself in environments with older people who have already walked it out a little bit before you and you'll save yourself a lot of heartache. You'll save yourself a lot of pain because guess what? They were placed in your life to help shape you. Just so it said you shouldn't only value a people of different age, you should value people of different color. If you're a white dude and you only hang out with white dudes, you got a problem. If you're a dark skinned dude and you only hang out with dark skinned dudes, you have a problem, you've limited yourself. If you're a red-skinned Native American and you only hang out with red-skinned Native Americans, you have a problem. God's body is way more diverse than that. And there's so much to learn from people that grew up different than you, who were raised different than you. I, I'm, 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 this is my soapbox for a second. I believe in it so much, it's why I moved to Boston. I wanted my one-year-old son worshiping God with Nigerians and Puerto Ricans and Venezuelans. And the Brazilians, I'm just waiting, come on, and the Brazilians! And the Kenyans! And my friends from Central and South America, I wanted my kids learning how big our God is. Last to the students, last, last stu- statement to the students, you need, students, you need accountability You need people to push you towards destiny. Accountability is not catching people doing the wrong thing and calling them out on it. That's just called being a jerk. Accountability is saying, hey man, you said you wanted to do this with your life, but you're not doing it. Let's go, come on, man, get up. Let's let's get after it. That's accountability, holding you true to what God has blessed you with. Last one for the students. You're gonna need a tribe because you're gonna need healing because you're gonna experience pain not a popular topic to talk with to teenagers. But let me tell you, there's pain coming. People are going to betray you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to say things against you. People, it's going to seem like they'll use their whole life mission to shut you down and make you feel insignificant. And I want to tell you, it's coming. But with the right tribe around you, you know, the right people, in the right community, you'll be able to say, I don't give a squat what they think. They're not a part of where we're going anyways. They don't believe in themselves. How, of course, they couldn't believe in me. Insulate yourself at an early age with people that believe like you talk like you do live like you That have the same values as you do so that when pain comes Yeah, we can we can take the sting, but we know it doesn't knock us down or get us out We're gonna keep on moving Moms and dads you need community Those of you with little kids you need community of other moms and dads that have toddlers and little kids to understand you're not crazy And that everybody's house in the season looks like somebody detonated a bomb. (laughs) You need other people that that will let you understand that that there's food all over their floor in their kitchen too. And that the laundry never gets done. What does that do? It, it, It brings you back to reality and said, I just thought I was losing my mind because I can't get all the laundry done. I don't know how to work two jobs and take care of three kids and pay the bills and do the there's other people going to do the same thing, and guess what? When they're up, they can bring you up, and when they're down, you can bring them up. Single people, There's all my single people. I think this church is probably the greatest church to be single at. If you're a dude. Because statistically. Our singles at this church, there's three girls for every guy. So if you're a single dude, don't come and ask me to pray for a spouse. Go get in a small group, serve on a team, she might be waiting for you. Singles, listen to this you need a tribe. You need a tribe, you need a community. Don't do life single alone because you should be having the most fun you've ever had in your entire life right now. Yes, right. Some of you are so bent on academics and careers, you're missing out on the. Sw- I don't have to go to bed anytime that my parents tell me to. I'm an adult. I make my own money so I can come and go as I want. I want to say this to all the single people. Stop grinding it out, man. Go live it out. Go walk it out. Have some fun. Get some people around you. Take a trip. Go explore the world with your friends. And kids show up. And guess what? Go to Hawaii on the weekend with your girls. That used to be fun. We used to go in the city and go dancing. We used to do those things. We used to have fun. I can't go anywhere now. Who's going to take care of these babies? I want to tell you, go live your life. Stop waiting on life to show up. Make life happen for yourself. Live the adventure that you've been created to live. So, I went over my time because I had to step on everybody's toes for a second. Where does community start here? This is the question I get a lot.